Hello, everyone. I'm Shannon Torrance, and welcome to Magic is Real, a podcast focused on proof of afterlife, whose mission is to bring hope and inspiration to others and to spread the word that death is only an illusion. If these interviews resonate with you and you want to hear more like them, you can support the podcast by liking, subscribing, and sharing with like-minded friends. Thank you so much, and thank you for being a part of the Magic is Real family. I wish you peace, light, and love always. Hello, Magic is Real listeners. Thank you so much for being here again today. And for the new people, this is Magic is Real. I'm your host, Shannon Torrance. And this is a podcast which we devote to the topic of proof of afterlife. I'm so glad to have you here. And today I have a wonderful guest that I'm very excited to have. Her name is Heidi Craig. Heidi, welcome. Hi, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. I'm excited to talk about my experience and share it with you. And it's lovely meeting you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so honored that you're here. Now, Heidi is a near-death experiencer, but she's also a person. Um, and I do, I would love to have you introduce yourself the way you feel most comfortable. Tell us who you are. And I also know that you have written a book uh, full of affirmations that you wrote in 2017 based on your near-death experience. So feel free to share that as well. Sure. No, great. Thank you so much. Well, my, my name is Heidi. I did have a near-death experience. Um, I feel it's important to talk about my life um, a little bit before the experience and a little bit after the experience. Um, just to kind of tie it all together and to kind of let the listener know why I feel like I was gifted with the experience. Yes, um, I am a mom. Oh, perfect. I am a mom of three boys, um, three, three, actually three young men now. Um, don't see them often. They're in and out. They have their lives, uh, which is exciting. Um, but I have three boys. I am a credit analyst um, by day. Uh, but secretly, I, I, I want to be a motivational speaker by night, so I love doing these podcasts. Um, so I'm, I'm going to actually start uh, with a little bit of my history um, leading up to the near-death experience, if that's okay for you. And please feel free to jump in anytime if you have any questions. I'd be more than happy to answer anything. Everything's on the table. Thank you uh, so much. Of course. So I um, grew up in a very dysfunctional, toxic household and a dysfunctional, toxic family. Um, my first memory that I have are of my parents fighting. Um, and it was such a bad fight that I really thought my father was going to kill my mother. Um, and that's my first childhood memory growing up. And I believe I was around five years old when that happened. Um, my father is a convicted pedophile. He's a child molester. He was sentenced uh, to prison for 44 years. Um, which was the maximum sentence um, in the state that he was convicted. The judge said it was the worst case of um, child molestation that they had ever seen. Um, so he, um, to kind of give you background, I have two uh, older sisters and I have stepsisters. Um, and um, the two older sisters are half uh, sisters. Uh, he, his pattern, and uh, I, I should say, I should say, I'm going to generalize this um, because growing up with a pedophile, you kind of learn the patterns. Um, is they date women with with young children, either boys or girls, girls whatever their preference is. In this case, young girls. 
Um, so my uh, older sisters were molested by him. And then um, after my mother found out and left that situation, um, he had many girlfriends and then was married again to a woman that had two young daughters and then had another daughter and they were all molested. And then their friends, some of their friends were molested as well. Uh, so it was a very toxic, very um, chaotic childhood that I, I grew up in. Um, and being an empath, which I didn't know that I was at the time. And I, you know, I've read, I've read, this is interesting because I've read books on the topic. Um, and there is a belief that your childhood traumatic events turned you into an empath. And then there's the belief that you're born as an empath. And I think it falls somewhere in between, right, for me, um, because I was so sensitive to the environment and to the feelings of everybody around me, but I was so young and I did not know how to uh, deal with that. I didn't have the words, the vocabulary, I didn't know how to internalize it. So growing up in that, it's very, you know, it was, it was difficult. It was challenging for me. Um, and so I became a people pleaser. Basically, I did not know who I was at all. I did everything in my power to keep the people around me happy. So, you know, if they told me to go jump off a bridge, I would literally go jump off a bridge to make everybody in my life happy. Um, I, again, that, a trauma response, but also I do feel like I was born as an empath as well. And, and this might've exaggerated my, you know, the, the environment I grew up grew up in may have exaggerated it and brought out those tendencies. I know empaths that were um, brought up in a supportive, loving environment, um, and they've been able to do amazing things with their empathy and really being able to help society and help a lot of people and groups of people. Um, so I I did not know what that was. I just grew up being told that I was too sensitive. I was crazy for being too sensitive. It was a bad word. It was a bad thing. So I kind of just stuffed everything down. So that was basically my childhood. Um, going into junior high, going into high school, um, because I was a people pleaser, I was bullied. I was an easy target. Um, so throughout my whole school career, I was in a lot of bullying situations. Um, so I had that. I learned at a young age, again, how to make everybody else happy, but I didn't realize in doing that, that I didn't know who I was and that I wasn't truly happy. I had no clue what I liked or what I wanted or, you know, where I wanted to go in life. I, you know, it was kind of like an analogy, like a leaf in the gutter, just blowing along in the wind. I had no idea. I had no, no clue. Um, I went from a dysfunctional family, married into a dysfunctional situation. My ex uh, was or is a high functioning alcoholic. He is a womanizer. Um, he did cheat on me throughout our whole marriage. Um, I went into that situation and I was a doormat. I didn't have a voice. Uh, he walked all over me and I'm just as responsible because I allowed it. Now I have very strong and I've always had very strong um, intuition and very strong connection with my guides. Um, and up until my near-death experience, I didn't realize that that's what that was. I knew that there was a higher power. I knew that there was somebody always there uh, looking out for me and protecting me. I knew that. And I always heard messages. And one of the messages was loud and clear. It's like, don't marry him. 
don't marry him. And I still, because I was so desperate to have a, a family of my own, um, I married him still. And I don't regret it. I have three beautiful, you know, boys. I learned so much um, about myself. I grew up, grew and transformed so much out of that, that marriage that I don't regret it at all. I just, ha- I do have a little bit of a question. Uh, yeah. First of all, I just relate so much, not with, you know, minus the trauma, being born an empath. Um, I was in therapy at age two for, because I was so sensitive that they thought mm-hmm. I was autistic. So, um, and then the people pleasing is, is such a result of that, I think, because we don't like conflict, right? Just say yes to everybody, let everybody use us the way they want to use us and interact with us the way they we they want to so that everything will just be peaceful and there's no conflict. That's so relatable. Um, but I and I know that you said you did know there was a higher power and you did hear those voices. Um, and I think we all do in our lives, but don't realize where it's coming from. Were you aware? I know that you said you heard that voice saying, don't marry him. And I would assume you thought that was your own thought. But what was it that gave you that faith that there was something greater? I'd always just had situations in my life um, where when I thought that I couldn't hit bottom any further, like when I was going through traumatic events with my family um, and I was in my room alone crying. I just felt this presence and uh, again, would hear a voice that everything's going to be okay. You're okay. It's, it's, it can't get any worse, you know, and you are loved, you are protected, you're okay. And so I just had this feeling, just this knowing um, that I was okay, that it would be okay. And literally the next day I was okay. It was okay. But in that moment, when you're in that challenging moment of those feelings and that despair, you know, it feels like it's the end of the world. It feels like you're alone, that there's nobody else in this world that's gone through what you've gone through. And there, there are, there are people that have gone through what you've gone through. But when you're feeling it and you're in that moment, you know, you're in that moment of loss, you're in that moment of challenge, you're in that moment of despair. Um, it's, it's hard sometimes to come out of that, right? It's easier to stay in the dark than, than to reach for that light and, and come out of it. Um, and, and learn from that and grow and move on. Um, but I always knew to kind of give you an example. Um, I had been, it was a particularly hard day at school. It was, I was in high school. I think I was a freshman and I came home that day and I had been bullied all day and it actually got a little physical. The, my main bullied person, she got physical with me and I came home and I remember I was just crying and my mother walked in and she looked at me and she said, what'd you do this time? And I felt like she physically punched me in the gut. And I mean, it took my breath away. And in that moment, the feeling that I had was, okay, I know that I cannot count on her. Like up to that point, for me, it was iffy because we you know, grew up in a toxic environment, but I always thought that she would have my back. But in that moment, and that's, I mean, what a lesson to learn right, at 15 years old, that this person that is supposed to protect you and support you and be there for you, bless you, um, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> um, is not there for me. Like, she didn't understand me, and and for her to come, come to me that way, like, what did I do? 
um, it was devastating. But I do remember after she left, and again, I was alone in my bedroom with my thoughts and in my, you know, I was crying and upset. Again, I had this overwhelming feeling of, you know what, it's okay. You're okay. You are loved. Everything's going to be okay. You're okay. And so I'm like, okay, I know that tomorrow's going to be a better day. And it was, it wasn't as bad as the day before. Um, but it, that really was a change in my relationship with my mom from that point forward. But so having experiences like that, but then always knowing that um, there, there was a higher source or a higher power. And, and to give you a background, I was um, baptized Catholic. I was raised in the Lutheran church, which are really similar. Um, but I started to really pull away from the church at a young age. Um, just because for me, I could, things didn't make sense, what they were teaching us, um, to how people in those positions of, um, authority and power, how they were living their lives did not make sense to me. Even as a young kid, I could see that, that what they were saying was not what they were teaching. And it made no sense. I didn't understand it. And a lot of stuff they were teaching didn't make sense because if we come from a loving higher source or God, then then why would we go to hell because we cussed or because I had a bad thought about someone? It just didn't make sense to me and it didn't add up to me. Um, this was, you know, this is how I felt before my, my near-death experience. So I, I started separating from the church at a young age, um, but I do, I do have that background, which is important when I talk about the yeah. experience that I had. Um, so I, I came from a toxic uh, environment into a toxic environment. Um, uh, again, not knowing who I was as a person, just like you said, and I'm sorry that that happened to you because oh, it, it's not fun, right? Yeah. Um, and grateful it, for it all now. Right, exactly. But yes. at the time, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot to go through, but now you're this beautiful soul that's helping people, um, which I really appreciate. So thank you, but I am sorry you had to go through that. And likewise, my empath heart just you know, hearing about children going through that just makes me get emotional. So <laughs> thank you too for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Um, so I uh, had had two children uh, with my uh, ex-husband uh, and uh, I was having my third child um, and uh, it was after the delivery. Um, and after you give birth to the child, you have to give birth to the placenta and the placenta wasn't coming out. It's called retained placenta. So the doctors made the decision to take me into the operating room to remove the placenta. And I do remember, again, it was different. I knew that this was different than um, the labor and delivery was different than the other two boys. I knew that something was gonna happen. Again, I had that knowing, I had that sense. I didn't know what it was gonna be. And I, I remember that when they said, okay, we're taking you into the OR, we have to take you into the OR now. Uh, I just remember, I just had this thought that, okay, I'm not gonna be coming back. So I remember looking at my ex-husband and telling him that no matter what, you stay with the baby. Don't let him out of your sight. They take him, you go, just stay with the baby. For, for some reason, that was important for me to say to him. And then, you know, went into the operating room, they put me under. And the next thing I know, I woke up and I was, at, I was in heaven. Um, or I, I like to call it home. 
Um, but uh, for me, it related as uh, heaven immediately, just because, again, of the beliefs, right? And growing up with that Lutheran background, there's, there's heaven, there's hell. Um, and I woke up in this, this uh, the most warm, uh, beautiful, radiant, effervescent, white, golden, yellow light. Um, it, it's hard to articulate some of the experience because we here right now uh, do not have the vocabulary for the experiences, the colors, the sounds. Just We just don't have the, I don't have the vocabulary. Maybe other near-death experiencers are more eloquent and can describe it. But for me, sometimes it's difficult because I really don't have that vocabulary in my repertoire to, to really do the justice to to really explain the color, right? That I was that I was immersed in. It wasn't just seeing it. It was like through my whole essence. I was part of this color and the warmth. Like it was just. I've never. It wasn't warm where you're uncomfortable. It was that warmth of when you just feel peace and contentment and just love and you know everything's okay. You can just you can just breathe and you know everything's all it's all good everything's well with the world and it was it was that warmth all all in 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 feeling warm again it's really hard to articulate and hard to explain and I do I I, I do have to explain that everything so time there doesn't exist it's not linear it doesn't exist as it does here um, and so everything happened separately but at the same time so when I speak about the experience, I tried to put it in a chronological order, but it was all happening at the same time. So I woke up in this magnificent, just radiant, beautiful light, feeling that warmth and that love, feeling that unconditional love, that joy, that peace, you know, no hate, no, no negativity, no greed. It was just, it was just pure love. And I'm in this light and I did have a, a thought at first and, and it was, where am I? But it was just like an instant of a thought. And it was like, even before I could get the W out, it was answered, you're home. And I instantly knew then where I was. I knew that I was okay. Um, I was surrounded by these divine beings and they presented themselves uh, kind of like a ghost for me at first, like just a shape, like a sheet, but like the round. <laughs> so, so I could see there was, there was something tangible to see at that point, not just seeing with the energy and the vibration, which is what we are, we're energy and vibration. Um, and Mother Mary and uh, Jesus presented themselves. And again, it was not physically seeing them, but it was through their energy, their energy reaching out to me and enveloping me. Um, again, it's really, it's hard to articulate. Um, I think you're, I you're definitely not alone in that. I think every single person I've spoken with says the same thing. We just don't have words for something that we don't have a, a frame of reference for here. Yes, exactly. I'm repeating myself, but I apologize. So. No, you're doing beautifully. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm surrounded by all these divine beings and I instantly know everything's going to be okay. I, I know that if I don't go home, or if I don't go back into that body, 3D experience, this body, this 3D experience, 
um, that my babies are going to be okay. My husband's going to be okay. My friends and my family are going to be okay. And I know that before I, before I know it, like in a snap, a blink of the eye, we're going to be together again. I just know this. It's just an instant knowing. Um, I wasn't given the option though. And we'll talk about that <laughs> in a little bit. I know that some people are, but I wasn't. And that's just, I was told because I would have argued with them about it. And, and there was no point because it just wasn't my time yet. I had things to do. I had those three boys to raise. I had a story to tell and to share. Um, so while all of this is going on and all this is happening, I'm receiving um, messages. And I do need to explain, nothing was, uh, we didn't speak. It was all by thought. Um, and I did not have a body, but I was me. Um, and eventually the silhouettes disappeared, but I could still see, but not with my eyes. Um, and it was the vibrations and the energy. And we all had um, a different rate of vibration. My vibration was a lot slower than most of the divine beings around me. And we all had a color. And our colors and our vibrations merged together. And all together made up this beautiful white, golden, yellow light that we were in, which is love, which is God or higher power source. Um, and we are created out of love. And what we are supposed to be doing and when we come into these bodies and these lifetimes is we're, we are here to love. We should be loving each other, um, helping each other. And at the same time, we're here to learn lessons, right? We want our souls to grow, to ascend because we want to raise our vibration um, because we want to get up to that highest vibration of love, which is where we're from, which is what we're made from. Um, so I'm, in this light, I'm receiving these messages, and these messages, again, are not just being told to me. They're like, they're, they have their own vibration, their own energy and pattern, and they are going through me. And over and over again, it's like, we are unconditionally loved. Everything's always going to be okay, all right, which I've always been hearing. Um, and everything's always as it's supposed to be. And so those three messages just continued to just to go through, through me, just kept going through me the entire time that I was having my experience. And it wasn't overpowering, like I couldn't hear or understand or see everything else that was going on, but it was just kind of just like a, a melody that kept flowing through me. So I knew that if I took back anything, that's what I was meant to take back were those three messages. Um, they did show me the past. So I saw everything and how we are all connected. We are all one, how we affect each other in the smallest, simplest ways that we don't even realize. Um, I was shown that we do have a life review, but it's not, I didn't have one, um, but I was shown you have a life review. It's not, uh, it, it surprised me because I, and I mean, and then I, everything made sense and I understood everything, but coming back and integrating it and, and remembering the experience, it was surprising because it wasn't, there was no panel. There wasn't God or, you know, Buddha or whatever your religious belief is. And I was shown that as well, that all religion is correct. It's just been interpreted incorrectly by man. I've always so, said, I've always said that. And I'm, it checks out with what I, with my own personal belief. And, and again, this is my experience. Yeah. Um, so I'm just sharing, you know, what I believe. I, I respect everyone else's beliefs. Me too. 
hundred percent completely respect their beliefs. But I was I was shown that, and so and I was also shown, um, and it's easier to say shown because again I just knew, you you know, um, uh, that Mother Mary and Jesus presented themselves because of my how I was raised, my religious background. So if I was a Buddhist, Buddha would have presented. So so that's That's what I hear. I hear that from a lot of people, actually, that it's what you feel most connected with and most comfortable with and your, and your frame of reference. Yes. Yes. Which and makes so, sense. Yes. That's exactly what it was. So that you have a life review, but you're not, there is no a panel. You're not being judged. There's no sentence. There's no jury. There's no judge. You're basically watching your life review. Um, you're not judging yourself. You're actually watching it with love and empathy. Um, like, oh, that's why I did that. And I did that, affected that person that way. And, and there are things that you've done that are going to be painful um, because you're not just watching it. You're actually feeling everything that you made everyone else feel. So if you hurt somebody, you're going to feel how they felt in that moment. Every emotion that they felt, you're going to feel what they felt. So yes, when you're done with your life review, you can objectively with love, look at it and go, okay, I could have done better. And I really hurt this person. And now because we are loving souls from love, we're going to want to make that up. We're going to want to make that right. Um, Eventually, somehow, some way, um, we're going to want to make that right with that person. Um, But there was no, it's, it's not right. We're not being judged. Yeah. We, we are looking at, we're reviewing our life because we want to see if we learn the lessons that we came down into this lifetime to learn, which ultimately is going to help raise our vibration and it's going to help us ascend. Um, and we do, I was shown that we do have life plans. We do choose who we are going to incarnate with in a, in a life um, uh, because we want to learn certain lessons. We do have soul families that we incarnate with over and over again. Um, and we all agree on the role that we're going to play in each other's lives. Um, I was shown that uh, it's not just a human's life, that there are different dimensions, different realities, um, and we are interdimensional. And we it's not per se past lives, it's other lives, because they're all going on at the same time. Um, and again, this is really a hard topic for people to understand and wrap their minds around. Even now, when I talk about it, it's hard for me. Um, yeah. And sometimes hard for me to wrap my head around because, you know, when I came back into the, this physical reality, into this body, I, I remember, again, I wasn't given the choice. Um, and I woke up with the doctor yelling at me to wake up and he was angry at me to wake up, open my eyes. And, and I'm sorry, I have one of those inappropriate responses where if it's traumatic, I'll laugh. Like if I'm at a funeral, I'll laugh. It's just the way that I cope and deal with it. So if I'm laughing, if it's confusing, confusing people, it's, it wasn't fun getting yelled at, (laughs) but I'm responding to it. And he was yelling at me, telling me to open my eyes. And I just remember the warmth was gone. And I was heavy and I was in pain and I was mad. I was mad at him for waking me up. I was mad because I did not want to be here. I wanted to be home. I did not want to be here. I knew that my babies were going to be okay. I knew that I was going to see them in a blink of an eye. I did not want to be here. I did not want to be back in this reality, back with the human condition and the problems and paying bills and responsibilities. 
I did not want to be here at all. Um, and I had guilt over that for a couple of weeks. I felt really guilty because I have these three little babies. I'm their mother, you know, I need to take care of them. And I, and I did not want to be here. <laughs> I wanted to be home. I wanted to be back home. I get that question a lot. Um, you know, if you wanted to be home, back home that bad, then did you ever con consider suicide, taking your own life? And absolutely not. Because I know that if I did that, I would be back down in another life. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to work that out. It, Correct. it never just goes away. You still have stuff to work out and you'll just work it out again Correct. in another lifetime from what I understand and what I believe. Yeah. So you're not going to go be punished or go to hell for doing it, but you're just going to have to come back and do it again. So you may as well, you may as well tackle it now. Yes. And that's my belief as well. And, and um, you brought up hell. I was shown yeah. there's no hell. I was shown that really we create our own hell here in these lifetimes. And you do that by not living your authentic self, um, by uh, living in, uh, choosing to go to the dark side, like living in greed or wanting power or, you know, um, not helping people. You, you create your own your own health basically is what I was shown. Um, and, and I, and I believe that, you know, um, growing up a people pleaser and not knowing who I was and being a doormat and not having a voice, I can say that that was pretty much a living hell for me personally. Um, and so after, you know, I had come back from my near death experience and I do have to say that being in this 3D body, the connection gets really fuzzy and foggy for me. And, and it can happen really quickly if I'm not meditating and if I'm not keeping open those channels with my guides, um, because we live in a really heavy, dense reality. This lifetime is really heavy and there's a, a, it gets really staticky. There's a lot that, that goes on. So I don't know about you. So I really have to work uh, to keep that connection going. It's there and it's strong. Um, and I'm always getting messages, but for me to really listen and, and not just kind of like shrug it off or be like, oh, that was just me. Because again, it, it's always been my own, not my own thoughts, but it sounds like my voice in my head, the messages yeah. that I receive. So it's not like an external voice. That's happened a couple of times, but it actually was external outside of my head. It wasn't inside my head. That's what um, I was going to ask is after, I know that you always had that, which I think we all do, but after your near-death experience, did you notice it more? Were you just simply aware of it at that point? And then you were able to listen better or to receive that information better. So I was aware. I knew, because again, I lost a lot of stuff when I came back. It's, a, it, it's, it's really interesting how quickly we forget yeah. Um, where we're from and we forget the knowing and that things are okay. And we, it's really interesting to me how quickly that we forget that. And so, you know, being back, just having a baby, having, you know, I had a, a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a newborn child. Um, I did not have a supportive husband. Um, I was aware though, there were certain things that I didn't lose, um, Meaning I haven't lost any of it, but that didn't become really foggy really fast. And that was one of them was, I was like, oh, okay, I understand. 
this whole time where I felt that I was always protected and looked, these were my guides that were there. You know, this is the, this is source. This is, yes, they're, they're there. I was, I'm more aware of them. I'm listening now a little bit more attentively, but it took a long time actually to really integrate in the experience. Um, it really took, I mean, up until this point, I, when I first told my ex about it, he told me I was crazy. And so I knew, and he's like, you had to have been dreaming, you're crazy. So I felt that if I told anybody, I would be labeled crazy. And I had been, I'd grown up being labeled crazy and sensitive. And I didn't want to go through that again, or more so than I already was. So in that moment, I made up my mind, I was not going to tell anybody about this experience. Um, but I did start fundamentally changing things for myself. Um, I did completely separate from the church. Um, I no longer believe or um, in hell, like I said before. Um, I don't fear death at all. I mean, there is a pain aspect. I don't want to be in any pain, but I don't fear death. Um, I started to really understand that I needed to love myself and I needed self-worth, which is really important, which when you grow up and you're starved of that, it's it's hard for you to, to find your way of how you do that. You have to take these yeah. little tiny baby steps to that path of self-awareness, self-worth, and self-love. Um, and I started taking those steps. So, and it, I mean, it was like little steps like, okay, what as, as a human being, as a person makes me happy, what is something that I, I like to do? You know what? I like to read. So uh, every Saturday, I'm going to, you know, ask my ex to watch the boys so I can read for an hour. Like it was, it was little steps like that, right? Uh, what do I like to, I like to run. So I'm going to go out when I can, and I'm going to go for a run. So with stuff that, uh, just little steps like that. Um, and then also one of my big lessons for myself, though, why I came into this life was to uh, learn self-love, um, um, self-worthiness, but also forgiveness. And so I knew at that point that I needed to start forgiving people that I had felt had wronged me in the past, starting with my father and my mother and my bullies. I knew that I needed to start forgiving them, um, not for their sake, but for my sake, for my soul's sake. So I didn't have to carry that with me. I could lighten up, I could start vibrating higher and start ascending. I knew it was important for me to start forgiving. And again, that was difficult. Like, how do you? Yeah, how do you do that? And I think that's a question a lot of people have because I've said that before and people can kind of get angry. Like, you know, forgive someone, but how do you forgive someone when, they did, when they've done something as horrible as say your father did? Um, and. And also, and I'd love to talk to hear you talk more too about both self love and forgiveness because, for example, I did twelve uh, step work and I actually have this belief everyone should just do it whether you're an addict or not. Um, it it's so powerful and healing, but that's the thing I didn't have self love either, and I just was a doormat my whole life and a people pleaser. And when I did my twelve steps, every single you you look back at everything and you break each incident down. And I had like 75 incidents. They said, write as many as you can um, that you can think of that hurt you. And every single one at the end was, how did this happen? Because I allowed it to happen. 
abuse doesn't it isn't covered under that blanket that if you're abused that you're that's not on you but there is but there is some kind of abuse as an adult that you can say i'm not going to take this anymore as a child you don't have that power necessarily but um i mean i would say at all so yeah and i think when people ask me how did you recover from you know love addiction and sex addiction my answer is it was about self-care and self-love but I only knew how to do that because I was guided if you do these steps you will find self-love but I know that's not the only way to do it um, and then how do we forgive others when they've hurt when they've done really horrible abusive things anything I know I kind of went off on a little bit of a mm -hmm. tangent but any thoughts you have around that would be no, Great to hear. no, I appreciate that. I feel it's personal. I feel everybody has different learning styles, right? So you have yeah. to find what's going to work for you and what might be therapy. It yeah. might be the 12 steps, right? It might be um, like, like I said, starting to learn to love yourself. And as you start to learn to love yourself, you start getting that self-worthiness yeah. and you start putting up boundaries and you realize that boundaries are important and they're not a bad thing and that self-love and self-respect and that people that are going to be in your life if they um honor those boundaries then they're, they're going to be in your life if not then they're not meant to be in your life the forgiveness piece for me was hard it, it took a lot because i had to really look deep within myself to understand what my part of it in in it was and I had to really dig deep for the, the lesson like like what lesson could I have what lesson could I learn from that experience um what could I be thankful for in that experience where I could then forgive that person because that person actually helped me figure this out or helped me learn this so it was going back and I know that that's not going to work for everybody Mm -hmm. But in the instance of my father, um, it was, okay, um, he really taught me that I needed to learn to love myself and self-worth. And so without him in that relationship and, and what I went through, um, I, you know, I may have never learned that lesson. I mean, it was very powerful in your face. You need self-love and self-worthiness. You need to learn these. And so they all kind of tie together for me, the forgiveness, the self-love and the yeah. self-worthiness. And I have to practice them every day. I, for me, I know I have more work to do and more healing to do when I can think of somebody. And if it still makes me sad or if they still make me mad, I know that, okay, I need, I need more work. I need to be more loving towards myself and forgiving. And I think that too, starting with myself, forgiving myself, forgiving myself that, you know what? I was a child and it wasn't my responsibility to, and this might make people mad, to save all those other children. I didn't know what I could do. And I was scared. You were a child. Yeah. And I was a child, but at the same time, I have, I have so much guilt over that or had, it's not as much anymore because I was older than some of them. Mm -hmm. um, I knew the patterns of a pedophile. Um, I did try to help at times, but I, I always talked myself out of it. Again, I always ignored those red flags or the, the signs that I was seeing or receiving. Um, so I had a guilty about that for a long time. So it was really 
learning that I needed to forgive myself um, for that and not be so hard and so critical on myself. And then actually really learning about the um, disease um, because it is a disease and reading about that and studying that and learning that, okay, he does have a disease and that made it a little bit easier to um, forgive him as well. Um, but also I feel like we have this great capability and I think that that's how we really learn to cope, especially as kids, that we can put things aside. They're never going to go away, but we can easily put them in a drawer and close that drawer. And I did that for a long time. So it was easier for me to separate from him and to forgive him than actually my mother, right? Um, so I still struggle with forgiving my mom at times. You know, we had a really, our relationship wasn't great, but she was my, my main provider, the person that I grew up with. Um, so yeah, I, I struggle more and you think it would be the opposite, right? That I would have a more difficult time forgiving my pedophile father than my mother, who's not a pedophile, but it was yeah. quite Do you think opposite. it's because in a sense, she, you know, when someone has a mental illness or, a, you know, a disease, you can, it doesn't make it okay, but you can, there's an explanation for it. It's not an excuse, but it's an explanation. And to a degree, like a sociopath, for example, does not have the capability to feel empathy. It doesn't mean we just say, oh, well, um, you know, it doesn't matter what they do or if they hurt somebody, but you say, well, it's, they're, they don't have the ability. They just don't have the capability. Whereas do you think it was because in your, you know, your mom had the, cap had the ability and had the capability and she still chose? Oh, great question. And definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's, I mean, the adults in my life, even my grandparents, well, my, on my mom's side, um, you know, this was, everyone knew what had happened that it was a little secret and it was a different generation back then. You didn't talk about it. Yeah. You, you know, and, and you didn't press charges or go to the cops because you didn't want, it was everything within the family stayed within the family. And we, you know, what would everybody else think? What would our neighbors think and the church think and the community? And so, no, we can't talk about this. We can't. So here's this pedophile out there hurting young girls over and over and over again, because my family didn't want this little secret to be out there and exposed because of how they would look, how it would affect yeah. them. So uh, like learning to forgive, you know, my grandparents and learning to forgive my mom. And like you said, it was, it was more difficult because there wasn't anything that I could justify their actions on other than they, they were doing the best that they could in that moment yeah. under how they grew up and their beliefs and their values. And I know I've made mistakes with my kids and I know that I may have damaged them in certain cases, but I do know that I always did the best in, the, in that moment that I could do. And I always tried to be better. Um, so I have to look at it like that when I'm looking at my grandparents, when I'm looking at my mom, and that really helped me. And I always have to go back there again. Like if I start thinking about my mom and I get sad, if I get angry, I have to stop. Wait a minute. Now we've worked on this. We, me, <laughs> and I've forgiven her what's going on here. Right. And, and it's like, she did the best she could in that moment, mm -hmm. you know, and I know that she, you know, my mom, when she first passed away, came to me a lot and she talked to me a lot and she was helping me write a book, a, my big book that I've been writing since 2013. 
And um, she was waking me up at like two, three in the morning with what I should write. And I finally had to tell her, I'm like, you stop. I need sleep. You know, come to me during the day, but you have to stop coming to me at night. And then it kind of stopped because during the day, again, it's so staticky. Yeah. And I'm focused on other things that, but she was coming to me a lot. And I do know that, um, you know, it, again, when, when, when we go home, we have this understanding of why we did things and, and what our role in each other's lives were, what we signed up to help teach each other. So yes, I mean, obviously we do have free will here. We have free will there. We could make better decisions and we can do better. Um, and we know right from wrong. Um, so yes, she does feel bad, um, yeah. but she did really help me learn the lessons that I need to learn. Yeah. And I, I was going to ask, how do you, how are you able to separate her spirit self from her human self that you knew? Because as a spirit, she's actually there guiding you. Um, and yes. she, you know, is showing you so much love and so much understanding. And so of course you're, you're not angry with the soul. You're angry with the human that she was, and that must be so hard to reconcile. It, it actually is. I have difficulty with that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, still to this day, I have a hard time with that because I will, you know, I'll, I'll get mad at her and I'll be like, mom, and I'll be crying and I'll be yelling at her. Right. And then it's like, but I know, I know that, you know, you did the best that you could. And I know that you're loving me, guiding me and supporting me, you know? And so it's like, I, it is hard. It's, it's difficult. I wish I could say it was you know, there's a simple process and it's easy and, and I could really separate it and understand and know from my experience that I was just instant forgiveness and everything melted away. Right. But it doesn't work that way. We are here to learn and we are here to go through challenging times, not just good, but also challenging. It's how we handle those and perception that we view those from, right. Are we going to view it with love? Are we going to view it with fear and with hate and so you know I could go either way it, yeah. it depends right and then if I go through the fear base then it's like okay I I have more work to do and I have more healing to do but yet at the same time I do need to not be so hard on myself and forget yeah it's okay it's okay to feel human emotions it's okay to have anger and hurt and resentment it's just I think about learning as we go, learning as we go, how to lessen that pain for ourselves, even in, um, as we just talked about, when someone says, well, how do I find self-love? Well, my process was this, your process was that, um, you know, I found the 12 steps really helped me and made, for me, it was being of service to others, um, uh, self-care so that I could show up for others, but everyone's process is different. And we're all feeling it out as we go. And then only after we start to feel better, we're like, this is what works for self-love. And so then we go and we write our book about, you know, to inspire others. But everyone has their journey. And of course, you're at times going to feel grief, remorse, regret, all those feelings, anger. But I think it's in, in if you look at it from a spiritual perspective and try to understand that, yes, I'm angry. And I also understand this was a lesson to help me grow. The two don't have to be separate. Yeah. As long as you don't sit and stay in that anger. Yeah. Right. As long you, yes, you want to feel that you want to take it in. You want to feel it. You want to process it so that you can let it go and you can move on. 
Yeah. Right. It's when we, when we choose and it is a choice and, and you may not think so in that moment, but it is a choice to be angry. It is a choice to be bitter. It is a choice. I hear all the time, like for all, everything that's happened to you, how can you still be so positive and so hopeful? And, and I kind of feel like, and with yourself as well, I, being an empath, I have this, I can be really naive because I have this boundless optimism that everybody's good, that they're innately good and there's good in them. And so I still get taken advantage of because I will give people chances over and over again. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't put up those boundaries that I need to. And again, it's just, it's all about your perception of that situation and how you're going to view it. Are you going to view it through love or are you going to view it through something else? Yeah. You know, a lower, a lower vibration, a lower energy. Yep. That's, that's really wonderful. Um, and something that a lot of people don't talk about is um, reacclimating to the 3D world after you have remembered who you really are. Um, yeah, <laughs> talk about that if you would. So that, that again, it's, it's taken a long time. So for those first couple of weeks initially, I was depressed. Um, I was depressed because I didn't wanna be here. I wanted to be home. Um, and, but at the same time, I had a newborn baby. I had small children that I needed to take care of. Um, so I kind of set the experience aside. Again, it's so easy to just take experiences and put them on the back of your mind. Um, and so it was really easy for me to right, get right back into this 3D life. Um, I did not have that experience where I had I, I had the experience and then came back and, and I changed my life three, 180, right? 360, 180. So is it 180? 180 overnight. Um, that did, that was not my experience. That didn't happen to me. It's taken me years to integrate my experience into my life. And I find that the more that I write about it, the more that I speak about it, the more downloads I get and the more that I remember um, so like this morning, I had a dream where I remembered a little bit more because I knew that I was going to be talking to you today about it. Um, so I was getting more information from it. Um, and then when I'm really actively connecting with my guides, um, they'll, they'll, they'll help me remember more from the um, experience. I know it sounds crazy that it sounds like I can turn it on or off. Because You know, as an empath, we can't turn that off. But I can ground myself and clear myself and set those boundaries. So I'm not affected yeah, like yeah. I was when I was young. Um, but you can't, you can't, everybody has that ability to connect with the other side. It's just, if you don't believe that connection, again, is staticky or we're getting messages all the time. We just choose to, oh, that was a coincidence or that was my own thought, or, you know, you choose to ignore that yeah, um, which is easy and it's easy for me to do yeah. because of my day-to-day -day life. And it's easy for me to justify <laughs> because of my day-to-day -day life. I'm sure my guys are just like, oh, Heidi. Of course. <laughs> they have those moments with me. They're just like, listen, <laughs> like how many times can we tell you? Just listen. I know. Oh, there are um, times where they tell me something. I'm like, I know, but I'm just going to do this other thing. Just let me just let me just do this for a second. Let me right. see what happens. I know, but I disagree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. No. 
Um, I already know. I know that, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I, I cut you off. Go ahead. Um, but no, I, it, I I didn't have that experience. I think of what how, what you're asking about, like like maybe yeah. most of the near death experiences or some of them have. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really easy for me to get plopped right back into this body and and this life and kind of forget about my experience. But I was reminded over and over again, like I, uh, my guides, I'm one of those people, I'm not an instant learner, right? It takes me a few times to learn a lesson and it could take me a long time. It could take me years Mm -hmm. (laughs) to learn that lesson. So I'll have this repeated repetitive patterns um, of like people, types of people that I have to deal with or relationships that I have to deal with because of learning, the, instead of learning the lesson when the first time, yeah, it, it takes them putting two or three or four lessons in my life. And it's during those lessons when I'm like really down and out or I'm really experiencing something that's hard um, that I will be reminded and this is where it comes externally, like kind of going back full circle where I will hear outside of myself, hey, you're loved everything's going to be okay. And everything's how it's supposed to be. So pretty much, you know, get yourself up and get out there and live your life Um, and do it authentically. That's really hard for me. That's a hard one as well, because not knowing who I was for such a long time and still um, there's aspects about me that I feel like society or my friends or coworkers are not going to understand um, that I kind of wear a mask. And so that's a loud lesson recently for me, um, for my guides is you have to start living authentically. Um, you have to start being who you are and you need to let the world know and let the world see. And I am being told that I, I am going to, it's going to be more accepted now. Who I am will yeah. be more accepted now um, th- that I shouldn't be scared. Um, yeah, I was going to say that about you because I, I thought I was going to ask you if you do, how do you use I want to say your abilities, even though we all have these abilities, but these abilities that you are aware of, do you ever find yourself using them to help other people, to give other people messages? I, 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 yes, I, I had a a little business. So for a while there, I was really connected in, um, and I was really studying spirituality and occult, which I don't like to say, because that makes it sound very just, it has a bad connotation to it. People, right. Um, But so, you know, I was studying angel therapy and crystal resonance and the pendulum and just anything spiritual wise that I could get my hands on any, any courses. I was um, uh, Oracle cards, um, reading cards, um, aura, reading aura, which I can really easily step into somebody's energy. Um, and, um, and for me, I would say my, my main gift is healing, energy healing. So I can see light. I can see the color of it coming in. Um, I can see where it goes in the body. I can feel it in the body. So when I'm helping somebody, I get the benefit because where it's going in their body, where like Archangel Raphael is having it go in their body, I could feel it in my body working and then I could feel it clear out. Um, I lost my train of thought, Shannon. I'm sorry. I don't even know where I was going with that. No, you, well, you, that was, you actually did answer my question perfectly. I I guess my question was, yeah, how have you, how, in what ways do you use your abilities to help others, which you did answer? Do you do that professionally at all at this time? Or is it more just for people that you know? 
I'm not doing that now. This time, I kind of I had some experiences that really scared me, where I would have people reach out to me um, and tell me that they wanted to end their life and um, they don't want to be here anymore. And I just have had some experiences that I'm not equipped to deal with. I'm not a licensed medical doctor or a psychiatrist or, you know, all I can do is empathize with them, tell them I'm sorry, that they are loved, that I can listen to them, but you need to seek medical help. People don't want to hear that, right? They, they're looking for something. Um, so I, and plus I, again, because I don't like conflict, like I'll do a podcast or, uh, you know, I'll get a review and if it's negative, that can really get to yeah. me. So I don't read comments. Sorry, people. Sorry, listeners out there. <laughs> if I you leave a comment, thank you. Um, but for me, it's just too. It's okay. I'll send the nice ones to on it. <laughs> I will send it. I've never gotten negative, negative comments on this show at all on YouTube, outside That's of amazing. YouTube. And I just block and delete because I'm not giving them their the attention. And clearly they're just angry. And it's only been like twice ever, but I will pass on all the lovely messages about how much you inspired people and touched them and how much they appreciate your vulnerability, because I know that's what they're going to say. Oh, well, thank you. Well, yeah. that's, that's me, but yeah, so I, it is, it's hard for me. So I've, I've had some experiences in the past that I'm just not, um, to the point yet where I feel like, um, I'm strong enough yeah. to continue doing that work, um, for people. Um, not to say that I, I don't, like, I do have people that will come to me. I can tell you it's easier for me to do that type of work on strangers than it mm -hmm. is on family members and friends because I'm biased and I have a perception of them already. And so the work that I do is I'll receive messages at the same time I'm doing the healing and I'll pass on those messages. Um, and it's hard with family because when you get a message and you know that they're not going to want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, um, or that's maybe, why we... Yeah, or maybe I am interpreting it incorrectly because of again my my perception of the person. Yeah, so it's it's I I don't do it for my friends or family. I, there's times that I can't help it. I mean, obviously, like you and I, like we'll just know something, and yeah. you know we'll know somebody's having a bad day, or and we'll just be like, "What's going on?" Mm -hmm. Right? Like there's just things that we can't help. But I am very particular. I won't get into somebody's energy unless I have their permission, basically. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask if it's intentional for you, if you set the intention to, I'm now going to blend with your energy and now we're going to work together. Yes. Yeah. But I have to have their permission. And there are times when I can walk into your room and I'm sure you experience the same thing and you know if you're wanted in there, you know if somebody's fighting or, mm -hmm. you know, you're just like, mm, no, this isn't good, I'm leaving, <laughs> right? Or you walk yeah. in, you just feel the happiness and the love and you're like, yes, I can vibe with this. This is great. Yeah. Right. Um, or you walk into a building and you just know something happened there, or there's just something negative in that mm -hmm. space. Um, yeah, I can do that. I don't feel like I'm purposely going into anybody's energy when I do that. Um, cause I'm not setting the intention, but sometimes it leaks in and I do pick up. Yeah. That happens uh, yesterday. I posted a story on Instagram and I was like, Hmm, I think I want to use Pink Floyd, something from the wall. And then I went, I, all of a sudden, even though I typed in river, what came up was perfect day, Lou Reed's version of perfect day. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that suits this beautiful scenery that I picked. And this woman I know, but not very well, because we're both voice actors reached out and said, 
oh my gosh, I just saw your story. And I've had that song in my head all day. I've been singing that song all day. And I said, well, I don't know what your beliefs are. This is where sometimes you don't have a choice. Or I said, I don't know what your beliefs are, but since you've been singing it all day and you just heard it again, I'm going to say that's a loved one. I said, think about it. Is there any loved one in spirit that, uh, for which that song has relevance. She said, oh my God, it does. And I said, was it a younger man? And did he have dark, you know, dark hair? Your age, he's your age, around your age. Um, she said, yep. <laughs> She's like, that's my stepbrother. And then from there, oh I just went, okay, now he's showing me this. Now he's showing me this. And then it turned into just, you know, a, a little yeah. reading. And it was like something he just needed to, you know, say something yeah, to her, but it was like, beautiful. It, it was so cool, you know, and I, and I, and she said, and I said, we both agreed spirit. She said, well, how it's so amazing how spirit orchestrated that. I'm like, that's what they can do. Yeah. I, she said he, um, there was something significant for him. So sad regarding his passing about Pink Floyd, the wall, um, that that was playing when, you know, he left this world. And I said, how funny mm-hmm. that that was the first song that I was going yeah. to pick. And then that, and, and I said, because somehow they have the ability to make, to prompt me to choose a certain song so that you'll see it and then you'll know, and it'll trigger something. And then they know I'm a medium and then they, they're, they just figure it all out. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. That's beautiful. What do you do when you have a message for somebody, but you don't have their permission? Do you just give it to them? Well, for me, and if they're open to it or. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you or anyone this happens to, I mean, if you feel so confident that you are getting a message, I think it's okay to just say, Hey, I don't, I mean, I don't walk up to strangers because I don't know. First of all, I don't know their beliefs. Second of all, I'm Mm -hmm. not sure I'm right. And what if I walk up and say, does Chiquita banana mean anything? And they're like, no, (laughs) just kidding. You know, but I think you gauge it by, (laughs) is it someone that, you know, is it someone you just met at a party, but you have a mutual friend and I tend to approach it like, Hey, I don't know what your beliefs are, which is what I said to this woman. I said, but I I said, I don't know what your beliefs are, but I'm a medium. And she said, Oh, I'm way open to that. So I think it is one of those things where you just, if you know, but spirit will work it out. Spirit will work it out. If they really need to get that message across, they will work it out so that you just know it's okay. Or there's something that person says to you that opens up a conversation. Well, and I think that you set your intentions, you know, you vibrate so high and you set your intentions so well, right? You only want probably to receive messages for people that are open. Yes. And, and that will be helped by those messages. Likewise, like I love the fact that you've only had like two negative comments, like you're setting that intention. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so, I'm sure once it gets cool. bigger, there will be, you know, with just statistically more, but what the beauty yeah. is that most people who hear these kinds of stories that are here. I mean, they know what the podcast is about. It says in the beginning. So if they're not into it, they're not going to listen. The only time I got negative comments were when I decided to boost a post to see how that did. And it went to some strangers and they put, put like, I won't even, you know, they just, they don't believe in it. They made them angry. And I was like, I don't know you. And I'll just take you, just delete you right now. But for the most part, I think seekers, people who have a curiosity are going to be drawn to hear what you have to say. Um, and, and that's another reason I like to interview people like you who are just salt of the earth, authentic, grounded, lovely people who you can tell are not 
out of their mind. You know, they really, I, I think that's one of the reasons I'm more selective about who I ask to speak just, and there are thousands of wonderful people that do. Um, but it's just because I really think it's important that when it comes from a credible source, people go, that's interesting. I never really thought about it, but she seems really genuine. Um, and at least maybe it'll open their mind a little bit. And if it doesn't, that's okay. That's not their path right now. Exactly. And that's a good point too. Like even for me, and I don't know about you, but there's just some uh, readers or people out there that's just too much for me. It's just too foo-foo or it's just, it just doesn't resonate with me. Right. Uh, so yeah. So likewise, right. When I go on a show, I want to make sure that the person that I'm going to be talking with, connecting with, same thing. You're authentic and your intention is that high. And really the purpose is to help people. You know, I share my story because if any part of it resonates with someone, or if it helps them look at something with a different perspective, then I've done what I'm supposed to do with my experience. You know, I'm supposed to share it. I'm supposed to give those messages that I received, um, which is, by, by the way, the book it's more like a pamphlet. It's 50 pages long. Okay. You read it in 10 minutes. Okay. Um, but I was, I woke up one day and my guides are like, you need to write an affirmation book. And I'm like, really? And they're like, it doesn't even have to be, I could be 20 pages, but you need to get these messages out there. And literally from the day I woke up, it was like two weeks later. And I actually had found a, uh, um, a, a publisher, not a publisher, but a, um, oh gosh. Is it a distribute? distribution no um, an editor oh. so sorry she, she's kind of <laughs> <pretty>. <laughs> no and uh she because she'd actually heard me talk and she's like I want to help you and so you know we went back and forth and boom like two weeks later it's self-published and it's out there um but they were just like adamant they're like you have to write this book and they're like and you're going to write another one I'm like okay which is the and one you're still writing now yeah no they yeah. tell me every day I need to finish it I need to start working on it <laughs> As, it's just such a, back, I know it's a project. Yes. It's a project. I know writing is a, it, I'm not a writer. by I, trade. <laughs> yeah. I know how to construct sentences very well, but I know I keep being told you're going to write a book and I'm just like, how am I going to organize it? But it's tough. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> and how am I going to get through it without being a perfectionist and criticizing myself and judging it the whole way through so there's but, so many there's so many yeah it's it's hard it's really difficult and like is this in the first person is this in the third person it's hard not to be critical and then I run into blocks where something's really emotional for me and I get exhausted and it's just like okay yeah <laughs> I don't want to write about this and I want to be as raw and as real yeah I don't want to you know, not because life is messy. My life is messy. And I, you know, I want it to be real and authentic and put it out there. Um, so eventually maybe like a few years, you'll be like, Hi, yeah, and I know. And that's the thing <laughs> I like, think. Yeah, and you did it. <laughs> yep. It, because it's one of those things where if it's meant to happen, spirit will guide you to let, to let it happen. Now things are so much easier in my life as well. As I understand that concept, I just don't react. I, I'm very highly emotional and reactive. I've had to thank God for 12 step, thank God for um, anti-anxiety medications, but now I can sort of re respond appropriately to things and say, feelings aren't facts. This is just a feeling. And you still have, a, even if something has changed, um, you still have everything you need. In fact, I do want to 
mention this because I think this has been a good tool that I just thought of sharing. I think it was the way of Zen. Don't quote me on that. Or it was, or it was uh, Buddhism, plain and simple. So, but in one of those books, um, the author talks about when something happens that is not to your liking, that's not desirable. Inst- you know, stop, don't fight it. Just go say out loud, this is what's happening right now. This is what's happening right now. And I do that all the time now. And I go, well, this is just what's happening. Now, I just am better able to sink into it and say, all right, I'm going to go with the flow of this and trust that there is a reason. And this is a redirect. It's not a stopping. It's not an ending. It's a redirect. And it just makes things flow so much better than trying yeah. to turn around and fight and like claw your way back out of the hole. Just kind of like, go, okay, I'm just going to kind of ride. Why, right ride along. Go with the flow. Ride I love ride. that. That's beautiful. I'm going to add that to my daily affirmations, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. It, I, that's, I just felt yeah. compelled to share that with people because I remember the first time I did, it was something, some guy that I was convinced was like the one, you know, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just not really looking for this right now. And I was so disappointed, but I just said, well, this is what's happening, right? This is just what's happening. And it all worked out. And later on, I understood why it's like, yeah, we wouldn't have been compatible. And now he's married and has a beautiful child and I'm happy. And it, we just, he wasn't my person and that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I was, yeah. m- my ego wanted it to be, but it wasn't him and that's yeah. fine. So I think yeah. obviously there are things way worse than that, that happen to people and it's not always easy to just say, oh, well, somebody died. You know, It's not that easy to just brush it off and you don't have to. But I think if we can be in grief and say, this is painful and it's part of my life's journey and what I need to learn. I don't That's know if beautiful. it takes- So pain. well said. Thank you. So well said, honestly. And it doesn't make, mean that you'll feel less bad. It doesn't mean that you're going to hurt any less. It just means that maybe, I don't even want to call it a reframe. Because you're not really, you know, I don't want to say reframe something horrible or tragic, but just at also, also see that there is something, a, a lesson in it that is important for your soul to learn. Yeah. And, and with that, I, because I don't want to end on my notes since I'm not the <laughs> guest here, what would you say, this is a big question, but what would you say you just really want people to know the most? I'm going to go back to those three messages that just resonated through my essence um, during my experience, which is we are unconditionally loved. Everything's always as it's supposed to be, which I know, you know, when you're in a moment of challenge, doesn't feel good, but I truly believe that and everything's going to be okay. It will be all right. So yeah, I'll end it on those three messages. Thank you so much, Heidi, for sharing your story for, and your vulnerability. That's, I think, the thing that helps these stories really resonate is letting us see the humanity in you and see the vulnerability in you. And that really helps us connect um, because we are all, all one. And it, it's such a meaningful message um, to hear from you. So I'm just so grateful that you're here to share your story and your light with all of us. No, it's my pleasure. And thank you for your platform, for for allowing me to come on to your show, to share my story, um, that you have a platform that is safe and loving. 
and you're vulnerable as well and sharing your life experiences. So thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Shannon. This has been a lot of fun. Me too. Let me know if anyone has questions. I would love to come back and do a show and follow up on any questions. Absolutely. You're always welcome. So thank you. Take care. Thank you so much.